You're listening to the St. Mark's Podcast for October 30th, 2022, the 21st Sunday after Pentecost. Today's sermon was given by seminarian Jonathan Moreska. It's based on Luke chapter 19, verses 1 through 10. In our gospel reading today, we meet Jesus walking towards Jerusalem from his home region in Galilee. In the grueling heat of the Judean desert, he passes through a wealthy trading city close to the Jordan River called Jericho. The locals have heard of the miracles performed, wisdom taught, and the healing presence embodied in this poor rabbi. Throngs of people push and pull as he and his disciples enter the dusty city of antiquity. Out of sight, a man named Zacchaeus struggles to catch sight of Jesus. For reasons unknown to us, he has spent his career working for the Roman colonizer. Collecting payment from his fellow Jewish people, he he helps to fund their oppression. Daily, I imagine Zacchaeus receiving jeers and judgments from his own community. Yet Zacchaeus is drawn by an inexplicable longing. As if a hidden magnet lurches within him, he pines to see the face of the Holy One. He uses every ounce of his body's frame to hoist himself onto a nearby tree. Every fiber of his being is beating and drawing him toward the God-human. Now firmly placed on the small branches of the sycamore tree, the harvest brown eyes of Jesus gently rise to meet Zacchaeus. In them, he sees the acceptance he has dreamed of. In them, he finds home. Beneath the familiarity of this passage, we are privileged to witness a meeting of sublime sincerity between God and Jesus and the Beloved, each one of us. It is a meeting premised on longing, and it is a universal longing implanted in the hearts of each one of us. Friends, entertain me just for one second here. Imagine this play of longing acted out in the 21st, in 21st century New Canaan. Instead of a wealthy, tuniced Palestinian tax collector climbing onto a drought-resistant tree shrub in the Middle Eastern desert, we would see a, maybe a successful and well-to-do IRS auditor. (laughs) Interrupted on his 
daily New York commute, just coming off the train maybe, walking through Central Park to his office, by a mysterious pull, he drops his finest briefcase, dirties his Brooks Brothers attire, and climbs up a Central Park maple, all to gaze at a man who would have looked similar to those we walk past daily on the streets of the city, begging for our attention, begging for dignity. An IRS auditor in a tree. Yeah, it's funny. Um, <laughs> the Gospels often do this. They give us hyperbole. Jesus often does this. I believe it's meant to wake us up from the ungodly seriousness that our modern world instills in us. And into, rather, a childlike simplicity. See, God meets us in our longing. And we sleepwalk through life too often, as if in a dream, neglecting the precious belonging for God's very self that God has uniquely implanted in each one of us. The seed of longing is placed in our bodies when we first enter this world. I'm sure recent parents at St. Mark's remember this better than I do. As infants, toddlers, and children, we awake each day in awe where the world seems bursting with possibility, rich with beauty, and abundant with time. When I was a child, I would excitedly run downstairs each morning, sit at the kitchen table for breakfast, excited about the cinnamon toast crunch, and flip through the still ink-soaked morning newspaper to the weather section. Intently, I would read the forecast for the week ahead and trace the contours of the temperature map across the United States. Amazed at the myriad of factors that shift and move weather trends, I would then burst open the front door of my parents' Long Island house to taste the first smell of the new day. Recalling the past day's weather, I would sense its lingering presence hovering along the changing tempo of wind. Smiling and savoring creation's dawn in front of me. And I would imagine the way that only children imagine coming thunderstorm rain and the glacial changing of seasons. As I grew older, of course, the print newspaper subscription turned virtual, moved to my laptop and then our phones. Time began to feel quicker, more urgent, even scarcer. And one day, my morning ritual somehow 
cease to exist altogether. The loss of my morning ritual made the sense of longing that drew me towards it, towards the crisp autumn air, more faint. Modern adult life leaves little room for rituals that seem to have no productive value. Life, however, continues to be composed by a series of daily, weekly, and yearly rituals that either reflect or obscure our core longing for God. In my extended visits and retreats to monasteries and convents, I have seen firsthand the way that rituals root and orient us toward God. The monastic wisdom recognizes that we are ritual beings. Whether we like it or not, each one of us has rituals that we partake in. Small moments of brushing our teeth or morning coffee come to mind. Time can be made holy by rituals that excavate our ever-present longing for God. For in our longing, like Zacchaeus, we come alive. And Saint Irenaeus famously says, the glory of God is the person fully alive. Yet despite our greatest efforts to mature out of childish ways of being, the longing for God never leaves us. For our longing, but an echo of God's longing for us. And in our gospel today, Zacchaeus emulates the childlike curiosity and wonder to see Jesus. A beautiful line. He's trying to see Jesus. To see God. You see, Zacchaeus does not lose the thread of his own longing. Despite his most earnest efforts to see Jesus, the text states he could not. Zacchaeus struggled. He struggled to see the one who would complete his inmost desires and from which he lives, moves, and has his being not as the despised tax collector which society labels him, but as God's beloved. Zacchaeus, like I imagine maybe many of us, struggled with his own perceived limitations. Scripture says he was short in stature and could not see Jesus. And the limitations placed on him from society, symbolized in the crowd's ridicule and judgment. They sound familiar in our lives, too. I know it does for me. At seminary, like Yale Divinity, I often wonder, am I smart, articulate, or experienced enough to be at an Ivy League institution? 
The rhetoric of the academy can often exclude or obscure the simplicity which Jesus calls us into. At times, I believe the voice within me that tells me to identify with my limitations, to let my limitations take the driver's seat, to let them, all their anxiety, determine how I live, move, and have my being. Maybe you can relate. The radical wisdom I see in Zacchaeus is that he knows the silent truth that God never stops speaking in our hearts. Just as you are, God repeats in a mantra in our moments of doubt. Just as you are is more than enough. Instead of letting his own insecurity control his interactions, Zacchaeus' perceived limitations is precisely the site where he finds his gift. By not seeing over the crowd, Zacchaeus courageously climbs the sycamore tree, embracing his entire self and offering every perceived limitation to God. For it is in opening to God our weaknesses, our limitations, that we are closest to God. Like all of us, Zacchaeus also struggled with the limitations placed on him by society from the outside. Again, he was trying to see who Jesus was. But on account of the crowd, he could not. Later, the crowd grumbled when Jesus comes to stay at Zacchaeus' house. In a cacophony of stimulation and sound, the crowd or society's loud voice can crowd out the peaceful longing that God places in our hearts. You see, I believe we live in a poverty of stillness. The companies profit on our consumption, politicians capitalize on our attention, and schools or workplaces reward our production. They cry out in a legion of urgency, more, more, more. By the end of the day, I often feel exhausted. The hard-heartedness of the crowd sees intimate encounters with God as a waste of time. Doing nothing, maybe, people will say, outside of the domain of exploitation or control. Yet God's love God's redemption is completely inverted. God gives. God is in the business of gift and gift economy. And we are called to surrender 
not strive more and more and more, but let go more and more and more in our weakness and receive with open hands as God fills the cracks of our brokenness. God gives. God does not ask for anything in return. Constancy of God's voice remains closer to us than our very breath. Despite the temptation of the crowd, Zacchaeus holds closely to the thread of his longing, hoisting himself upon that tree. Zacchaeus models a subversive way of being for each one of us. It is a radical act of faithfulness and courage to remove ourselves from society's ever-increasing demands and to go to our private room, as Jesus says, and rest in the God who calls us by name and loves us. Conditioned by decades of being surrounded by the crowd, our interior lives can look a lot like a shaken bottle of seltzer. The water agitated, fizzing with too much movement, liable to burst at a moment's notice. By, jetting, by gently letting out the air in prayer, still water reveals itself. How can we quiet our hearts to be attentive to God's still, small voice? Here is where holy rituals draw us deep inside of ourselves. Like an anchor cast out into a turbulent ocean, Rhythms of stillness, silence, and solitude can open ourselves to the gravity of God, drawing us closer and nearer to the still ocean floor, the ground of God's being, where we have never been wounded by the crowd, place of tranquility, a place of rest, a place of welcome. This is risky, and it is the place where God meets us in our longing. Why do we risk our everyday ways of being to see Jesus? Because when we do risk, when we do contort our small bodies onto the high branch of the sycamore tree, we hear Jesus speaking, his harvest brown eyes, words that we always seem to hear. I've always been here. I've always been seeking you and saving you.
for wherever your home is, there I will be also. Welcome me as I welcome you. Amen. You can find more sermons on our website, www.stmarksnewcanaan.org.